Welcome to Michigan HockeyCast 5.5, where the Broncos do not ride. In lieu of last weekend, and I guess you could almost look at this in a couple of different ways, but I feel like we need to talk about revenge. Do you have anything that comes to your mind when you think of revenge in one way or another? Um, not particularly. Nothing that jumps out at you? No, that is... no not really. So Western spent, Michigan spent what eight nine months waiting for this this was their this was their michigan state versus michigan super bowl weekend of oh you ducked us you don't want to play us you're going to ruin your your pair, precious pairwise ranking and so they finally get their chance at michigan and they win zero of the games now they did come back in both of them and even them up and take one to overtime if that is consolation for, I don't know, are there Bronco fans that listen to this? I would doubt it. <laughs> so, I, I, I think, I don't know. I, I, I guess, I, I, so I was researching, um, do you ever read Bill Simmons' article about, like, the scale of vengeance? No, but I should. So he, he basically starts at, like, 0.0. .0 and then goes up to 10.0, and okay. he makes, like, a ton of, like, um, what's the movie you really like that I've never seen? The Godfather. Sure. He, t he makes a bunch of Godfather references, because there's probably a bunch of revenge scenes in that. Uh, there are, sure. Okay. And then he has a bunch of, like, Michael Jordan stuff and, and NBA things, obviously. Is it the NBA core of, of Simmons. <laughs> Movies in yeah, the NBA. So, like, point zero one on this scale is, of its, of the vengeance scale, is... O.J. Simpson's valiant attempt to find the real killers. <laughs> <laughs> then you have, like, references to Sean Estes trying to plunk Roger Clemens after after their incident in the World Series. Like, the next year where he throws yep. behind him. That's, like, a 1.0 or a 0.9. And then, like, there's other stuff about, you know, Bird and Magic and... Then there's things about, like I said, different movies and everything. Um, the song that we put in this episode was the Crimey River video, which is Justin Timberlake's revenge on Britney Spears, which was kind of, I don't know. I, I remember when it, the song when it came out, and then you see the video, and then you hear the story behind it. It's kind of funny um, and kind of well done in that, in that regard. Um, I guess I just found it very interesting because like, this was the talk. Right, like this was Western's whole thing last year. They didn't get a chance to to face Michigan in the tournament, but this was their weekend. Yep, it was their opportunity, and you know, I, I think one part of it, of course, is that the teams are both very different. A lot of the players that were there yeah. last year on both sides no longer there, so it's carried on in in spirit to some degree. But it, uh, especially the second game, uh, what transpired at the end seemed to be. Um, 
pretty intriguing uh, with the the celebration from Luke Hughes and then the fans throwing things on the ice. I mean, it really seems like this is they threw things on the ice. Yeah, that this is a <laughs> this is a real uh, real rivalry now, and a lot of juice on both sides, and uh, that's good. It's a little. I'm is, all for rivalry. Is it a little Michigan Michigan statey in in from football and you know. I mean, the rivalry is there in basketball, obviously. It just doesn't feel the same as football. So is this is are, are we approaching this level well, in hockey? Well, it's just a matter of whether Michigan puts WMU on the schedule every year. I don't know if they will, but uh, we'll see, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, wouldn't be against it. No, I mean, and they used to have I, – I mean, it, I don't want to say an intense rivalry because I don't think those were in their top three or four – circled matches of the year but they used to play against them every year in the ccha i mean i've been yep. i've been to lawson a number of times it's a fun building they're, they're pretty loud they're pretty boisterous at times obviously probably nothing comparable to this past saturday but um yeah it's just it's just kind of funny like i mean you think about these situations and what do you do then when you don't come through on it is there do you have a failed revenge go-to or or something in your mind that's like i mean it feels like michigan football against ohio state for the last decade up until last <laughs> year right where we're finally gonna get them and then they never do and it, that's like a good a good revenge story in sports i guess for like, like tom and jerry <laughs> or or wiley coyote and yeah. roadrunner yeah but michigan finally beat ohio state last year and it was i mean i met people over the course of like the next few months or whatever that said you know, wow, that was quite a game or like they noticed it. And not even like Michigan or Ohio State fans, but it was like in a national perspective of like you finally did something and it felt, you know, I mean, there are just the, the scenes of that happening. Yeah. I mean, uh, if Western ever pays it off, it will be an enjoyable day for them. And we're probably like overblowing this a little bit, but it was just kind of funny. And then... uh yeah, uh, I I don't know. The 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 other thing, uh, the intro I want to go over is, um, do you have an opinion on Michigan's top line for a nickname? I, I posted a Twitter poll about this last week. A few people voted. I'm not going to tell you how many because uh, it was unfortunately lower than I was hoping. But um, there was a few, we had a few options. I thought the FSD nickname is good for Fantilli Samuskevich Duke because that FSD. One's, that one's not bad, yeah. Because, I mean, it's local, right? Like, that's. That's the channel people used to watch before Bally and, and, well, it's the same channel, but, like, it was called that, and it fits sort of the last names, and you kind of do it in descending order of probably talent and, When you know. it was FSN. <laughs> there you go. And then um, Michigan Hockey Twitter responded with, like, the damn line, like, almost like, damn, you know, but that's, so that would be dylan adam Mackey, okay. but that's like the i don't know i it was okay i just i didn't i didn't it didn't catch to me and then i kind of inverted it and made the mad line m-a-d and that's the one that won the twitter poll and that's the one i didn't think made the most sense and then seth actually did a good job and and came up with the u.s steel line which is kind of super thoughtful in the sense of you know duke played for the u.s team and then Mackey and fantilli played on the on the chicago steel so do you have a, do you have an opinion on that? Because like they're becoming like when you look at not just these games but the whole part of the year, it's starting to form. Hey, this is the line that is the core of this team. They're going to go probably as far as this particular line takes them, and it could be a long way. So usually lines like that come out with some sort of a nickname, and it 
develops, right? Like you had the CCM line, there was the SNL line with with uh, Slaker and Norris and Lockwood, Lockwood until yeah. until he got Norris got hurt. But um, was there ever one for Danks, Marodi, and Calderon? Oh, the DMC, the DMC line. line. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Uh, or or did, did something need to happen yet organically? The that... damn line can only work if the mascot were the Beavers. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. FSD one isn't bad. I just think that's relevant to the local area, and so like that's just what I mean. People are used to that. The problem is, eventually, at some point, you run out of names. Well, sure, right. I just I mean, at some point, you also want to call a whoever, line. Whoever something. came up with the production line in the fifties or really late forties, right? Like that's a great one to get your name on because then you can never use it again, right? So you need you. I mean, you need, but. I don't know. I, I just kind of think that it's it's good to have a line, a, a nickname for it because then you know how to. You, I mean, saying the well, top the, line, the one, I mean, the one line that get the one name that gets recycled endlessly is the kid line. The That's, kid line. The kid line has been used seven hundred like, times, like the hockey. Rangers in the playoffs last year. Yes, it's been used a million times. The kid line. You can't do that in college hockey because half of Michigan's team is like eighteen years old. Well, you can use it in college hockey because there are a lot of people in college hockey that are not kids. Yeah, not on this team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Minnesota State can use yeah. it or something. Or Ferris or somebody like that. But but Michigan is never, I mean, half your team is your freshman, at least this year. Anyway. So no prevailing. Are we? Are you Are you in a holding pattern? Are you waiting? Yeah, I'm lukewarm on these names. See if someone comes up with something. I feel like there's a joke for another better. player on this team with what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. We should should move on to game one. Um, I wasn't 100% sure what to expect um, in this game. I, I was kind of thinking, hoping Michigan wins this game because it didn't want it. You, you wanted at least a split. We talked about this at the end of last week. You want at least a split and hopefully get a little bit more if, if, if you have a chance. And I was hoping Michigan would come out with a little bit of jump. Um, they did a little bit, and then, like, they give up a goal because Fantelli just has a brain fart, I guess, and changes when the puck when the puck is not deep enough into yep. the to the offensive zone. He goes for a change in the neutral zone from the far side. It's not even like he's changing as he's near the boards of where the benches are. He's on the opposite side, and he goes for a change. It leads to a three on two. A decent pass across and a pretty good snipe that actually hits the water bottle, <laughs> of all things. And it's one nothing Western Michigan, slightly against the, the flow of play, um, but just kind of not great in what was going to be a night of odd man rushes. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm trying to remember if I saw that goal or not. I remember the discussion <laughs> you... about Fantilli, but so there was no stream uh, up yeah. for the. <laughs> For the beginning of the game, it uh, just doesn't matter where you go. If you're streaming this th- these games, you got to hold your breath, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. And then after they uh, got the stream up and running, they never had a a bar to tell you the score or the time. And unfortunately, the audio <laughs> from Al Randall uh, did not do that very often. <laughs> so particularly the time. So at the end of the period, are you just wondering why did everyone stop skating? And then, Oh, the period must have ended. <laughs> I mean, typically it would just tick down. Then you get the one minute remaining thing and you're like, Oh, there's oh, only yeah. a minute left. So then you hit your stopwatch. Yeah. So, uh, 
But no, I it yeah, I don't I don't remember I saw it, but I did see the discussion about the the Fantilli change. Yeah, I you know, somebody mentioned a little bit that they didn't think that the shot was that great and I was like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. It came from one side or the other. I'm generally not going to like blame a goalie when a shot when the pass goes from one board boards to the other and it's a really good shot under the bar. I mean, could could he have maybe gotten something on it? Maybe. I I not going to go that far, but the problem there, even if he could have or if he couldn't have, to me the problem that you go back and you address is not get your glove up, Portillo, or get your blocker up or whatever. It's, all right, this is when we can't go for changes. Like, that's just something that you learn. You made a mistake. That's fine. Yep. Move on. That's not something we do. Thankfully for Michigan, though, like, within seconds, minutes, very, not very long at all, um, they get a response as Seamus Casey rips a shot from straight away. It hits something in the middle of the ice. Jackson Hallam scoops up a rebound, charges hard, and beats Cameron Rowe to the near post and jams it in. It's one-to-one. The thing that I really like about that is, you know, Hallam is in, obviously we know Nazar isn't going to be playing for the foreseeable future. So after that first line, you kind of have a bunch of guys that, have a chance to step up and sort of establish themselves on a second line. Jackson Hallam is in that, I don't know, crew of people, because there's probably five or six of them. There isn't a clear-cut second line yet. And that was a very nice hustle play for a guy that has more, I would say, speed and skill than, like, grit. And, like, you know, if it was a stop you're kind of like, yeah, that, that's an Estapa goal where he's going to, kind of grab a rebound and throw it in but Hallam scoops that up and kind of gets not really a dirty goal but um a harder working goal yeah I mean it's just following the puck to the net you have Moyle in front banging around and so the goalie's little screen is late picking up where the puck is and Hallam just happens to uh, slide down and just is in position to uh, scoop it in at that point kind of the classic puck luck goal more or less because Rowe you know, it was just late getting over there, and he puts it in the, the side. Right. And in that situation, what you need is someone who's willing to work hard, find it, and outwork the chance, I guess. Um, and I didn't really have a whole lot left in the in the first half of the first period then because, I mean, I think shots were about 3-3 halfway through. There wasn't many major events that took place it was just kind of some hockey that went up and down but it wasn't there weren't any big saves any big chances or whatever so the first half of the first period was pretty goal for each side what Michigan gets a little lucky they make a bad mistake and they're unlucky in that sense and then after that um even the rest of the period there's a couple of chances I thought Michigan's defense started to fade a little bit there were some things like Luca Fantilli turns the puck over in his own crease Holtz had not a good defensive zone turnover that led to a really good chance in front Portillo made a few saves I, you know Michigan I think was up 9 to, 8 or 9 to 3 in shots at one point late and then the last few minutes um there was just a bunch of sloppy play, a couple odd man rushes, and Western ended up closing the period on a bit of a, a run. Didn't get a goal, but brought the shots count back to about 9-8. to eight. I thought they controlled sort of the end of that period, and Michigan is going to kind of need a jump going into the second. Yeah, and then they got it from Adam Fantilli. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I mean, that was sort of like they're, they hadn't really, they haven't converted a lot of odd man rushes this year. They've given up some goals on odd man rushes, but they haven't like created a ton. And when they've gotten them, they haven't scored on that many either. And he just beat everyone down the ice and had a very nice little move and score went high above row, which is a bit of a precursor to the third period. Well, you have a puck that's bouncing up at the blue line, and Fantilli charges up, snags it, and then there are three Broncos chasing after him, and one of them has initial positioning and takes a decent angle, but he's just a a better skater than any of those three guys, and the way that he feels the pressure and kind of holds up, uses his back as a shield for the puck, and then elevates over over Rowe. It's just a really impressive uh, type play to see a guy at that age... uh, doing in the NCAA. And not too long after that, Michigan doubles their lead, making it 3-1 to one on really a bonkers play as there's sort of a loose puck that comes down the western slot. And Rowe does, I guess he doesn't think the defenseman's going to be able to get there and clear the puck. So he comes out to play it. But the defenseman does get there, grabs it, and kind of throws it to the corner and tries to get rid of it. It ends up then hitting, I think, Marcus Stapa, who's skating to that to down the wing and he ends up grabbing sort of a loose puck firing back towards the middle where tj hughes is there and just throws it in the open net as the defenseman not really sure when he sees Rowe coming out what he's doing with the puck Rowe, you know we kind you kind of debated you're like why is Rowe coming out to play the puck it seems like he probably thinks okay if the defenseman isn't going to get there my best chance is to go and sweep this away Okay, that I mean, we've seen Portillo do that. I mean, NHL goalies do that from time to time. That's not a terrible thought, but you have to get there, and, and, so, and then and then the defenseman gets rid of the puck probably way too soon instead of just skating and tying it up, allowing his goalie to get back. It was just a major miscommunication, in my opinion. I mean, the so the 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 big thing is that Bro can't play that puck. I mean, I'm watching it right now. It's coming out near the. It's above the hash marks. I mean, that's not okay. in front of the crease. That's way, way, way out. And you've got uh, the guy streaking down the wing for Michigan. And regardless of whether the defenseman's there, right? Like, let's say there's no defenseman there, and it's just the pucks coming out, a Michigan guy all alone. I would much rather have him sit back in the crease and just take your chance. At making the save, right? Yeah. It, it's uh, and I see the number. It was Rutger that was there, and I mean it. I, I, it's a do or die play. But so the thing about that is, okay, let's say you do. Okay, then it's not a goal. But if you don't, it's a one hundred percent goal. <laughs> and so it's literally a fifty fifty probability. If Rutger gets it, what's the probability that Rutger scores in tight all alone? Eh, 30% maybe. Something. But the probability is better <laughs> for the Broncos if the goalie is in the net. Now, what about from the uh, defenseman's standpoint? Should he have done something different? Uh, well, so the defenseman, he tries to clear it, and it just he just whiffs. It just hops on him. <laughs> uh, he, he's got it, and then he's he's trying to turn his body and shoot it as he's you know on his edges turning around laterally, and he's trying to shoot it up off the boards and out, and he just whiffs, and it goes towards Steve Holtz, and he kind of just flips it there 
to TJ Hughes. But I mean, the central problem is was it Holtz, not Estapa? It was not Holt. It oh, was, it, okay. it was Holtz. It was not Estapa. I had the wrong four. four All right, right that's yeah. fine. Well, it's just a bizarre play number one. Wait, because, so Holtz is that far up the ice? Well, it's, so you have two Western Michigan players who already sort of do failed pinches on the play. You have the one at the blue line that doesn't keep the play in, and the second one comes in and crunches uh, somebody there, and then actually, no, I think that might. Let me see here. No, sorry. Forrest is, is uh, uh, what's his face? Brindley, right? Forrest Brindley, Gavin Br- Brindley. Brindley is the one that, that would have had the the shot in tight. Rucker's the one who gets crunched okay. in the in the center ice area. He makes two and four up right there. But <laughs> anyway, point is you have one guy fail to keep it in the line, one guy crunches Rutger, and then the play develops on. So you, I assume at least one of those guys was a defenseman that's already caught up there, and now you've got a Michigan defense in there. I mean, it's just a yeah. bizarre, ragged play going on. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, the goalie... It's one thing to poke check when it's right in front of you and to play the puck, but that that puck is way too far out, and there's too many Michigan guys in the zone to be trying that for my money. The interesting thing to me, then, that happens pretty soon after that, so it's 3-1, to Michigan basically plays a a 50-50 first period, and then they get these two kind of freaky goals. One is a a breakaway. One's a a good play, and the other one is just a gift. Right, and... Then they go on a power play, and I, I end up saying to Peter next to me, I was like, you know, if, if they score here, the game isn't over, but, you know, it's close. Because it would be 4-1, to one, you're about halfway through the game. I mean, Western is, at that point, are they going to beat Portillo three or four times? Like, maybe, but probably not. Well, <laughs> spoiler, they, <don't>, they do. <laughs> but they don't get the goal, and then that's kind of the, the, the play that, that – you know, the tipping point where it's sort of like those uh, moments in time where you have a chance to take advantage of something. You mentioned this about like the Moody long field goal on Saturday for Mich- for Michigan against Michigan State, where if he doesn't make that, you know, all of a sudden it's still only a nine point game. The ball's near midfield. State gets a big play and the game is back in it. And that's sort of what happened to Michigan hockey on Friday night in that sense. And they couldn't really put it away. They get they get a power play and probably should have scored like they I think I remember counting those up I think Portillo had six saves on that and and not like you know outside the net saves on frame saves I mean that I mean six shots on on two minutes power play time is a ton and he I mean he played it well but Michigan could not get it clear and that's something that would linger throughout at least the night and in probably throughout the weekend is their their penalty kill was not Great. I didn't think their defense was particularly good as we get through the rest of this game. I mean, you'll you'll kind of see why, but um, Portillo like really held that together that that specific penalty kill anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't have I don't have too many uh, bad things to say about Portillo from the weekend overall. Especially, I mean, we didn't get to see a lot of the Saturday game when we get into that, but from all accounts, he was very good for a lot of that game. So. Uh, yeah. And then, so it's three, one, they turn the puck over in their own zone. I didn't see who had the initial part of it, but their passing, I mean, it was kind of like towards the end of that second period or the second half of it, you know, Michigan was trying to give the game away. They had defensive zone turnovers. They gave up a couple of odd man rushes and they were getting away with it and they were getting away with it. And finally one cost them on a, on a fumbled puck in their own end. I think the puck went from, um, the near side to the far side on a bad pass, it was scooped up, 
and then not everybody tracked back, and you had um, Max Sasson in front alone, and he beats Portillo, and it's three to two, and and that's just you know it's a shot from right in tight. There's you don't really have you know if you save it great, but it's not something that you're really expecting. That's the problem is the turnover there. It's three to two, and really before you can do anything about that they give up another one where you you kind of have I think they had the right number of people but another bad um sort of matching up I think it was Truscott and Luke Hughes in the zone but this is where the shot gets it hits somebody the initial shot hits somebody in front it's laying loose this is the one where Portillo is in good position and then just drifts and all of a sudden he's outside Greece outside the frame of the goal and the puck gets poked in to make it three to three. And you're like, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's not his fault in the sense that like it, the puck could have gone in cause the defense really didn't match up and someone was going to get their stick on it or be able to collect it. But you got, you got to stay in your crease anyway. And if he beats you, he beats you. But he, I mean, that's something we've seen from him over the last year or two is, you know, he will from time to time, slide out he's not great with body control especially when he's moving yeah i mean he can he can swim a little bit in the crease from time to time so it's three three and you're just you know like i said that was that that was that point that made that sticking point is like if they can capitalize on that power play probably spirits are broken and you know you got to hold on but now it's three to three and Samoskevich comes to the rescue. He has a nice sort of swooping move across from one side of the ice to the other, gets in tight on Cameron Rowe and lifts a backhander up underneath the bar with very little time left. It was around a minute, minute, two minutes left in the, in the second period. Um, and they review this one for offsides, which the puck is coming out of the zone and Luke Hughes is skating parallel to the blue line and tries to jam the puck somewhere along the blue line to keep it in it looked like on the replay I don't know if you got a better look than we did it it was from quite a distance it looked like I thought the puck was going to come out and they were going to overturn this goal they didn't they counted it and what they showed us which from my understanding is just what they showed on the jumbotron okay um I didn't see anything that could overturn it um it just looked like the angle of his stick was almost outside the zone it was really close but I, I didn't see anything there that was. So this was turn. Western's second challenge. They get their first challenge, yep. they lose it, and I think they challenged for a hit to the head, maybe on Moyle earlier, and it would just end up being a two minute penalty. So they lose their timeout. They challenge again because I got a text from somebody who's like, "Hey, how many challenges do they get? <laughs> like, what is this?" You know, and I was kind of wondering the same thing, but in that case, I guess you get as many as you want, and if you're wrong. Then it becomes the NHL rule where yep. it's just a delay of game and Michigan gets a power play. Right. And, you know, that that was a kind of big turning point because the puck's coming out and they end up, you know, giving up a goal on that play. So it's, you know, I, I get the idea of why they took a swing on it. But ultimately, I, I didn't see anything there that would have probably made me challenge it just because my first couple looks, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think they can turn this one over. Well, and you can... It doesn't seem obvious enough to put it in the hands of the referee where they're yeah. going to see something. and Yeah. So Michigan ends up getting a power play at the end of the second period, third period, beginning of the third period. It doesn't really go well. I don't think that their power play was particularly good 
on Friday Friday night. It certainly was, as we'll get to it on Saturday. But on Friday, they didn't really get the, the number of chances they normally do. Their shots per minute was below one for, I think, the first time all year because their power play has been very, very consistent and good all year. Not on Friday night. And... They And then the, the other thing for Western is right at the beginning of that third period, they hit the bar or the iron in one way or another, I think three times in about five minutes. They have a breakaway that gets in on Portillo, and the guy completely dekes him out, shoots the puck, and it goes well, right off the post. Yeah, it goes off the post, but it, it's helped out by the fact that Portillo's legs are so long that you know he's able to to cover so much ground with that yeah. left leg even being deked out that the window to, to tuck it in is so small there that, you know, you can lead to that sort of miss. And that was set up by a Luke Hughes turnover at the blue line on the power play, which, not great. They get a four on three, and that the last guy in takes his takes the shot so it's the fourth guy which is why i end up counting as a four on three because sometimes you get those and you don't count them because they don't really use the guy and the, the rush just kind of fades into oblivion but this time they moved it really well got it to the fourth guy and he took the shot he hit the iron that was the second one they end up hitting the iron on the power play that they end up scoring on later so um but that's just a lot of like you look back at it and portillo saved i think in the end um, I think it was four hit the, hit the post on one or two. They scored on one. I think it was four or five that uh, saved um, of their odd man rushes. And then they hit the post two other different times. You know, in some ways it was kind of like a lucky game for Michigan because things outside of their sort of control or things that they did did not go the Broncos' way. And they kind of got away with it in that sense. Yeah, and... <laughs> they finished a high number of their chances overall, and that's kind of you know the other story. Is right, that the Broncos are getting hitting the post and getting shut down, and blah blah blah. And you know, Michigan had plenty of chances besides the ones they scored on, but they did score on a, a nice percentage of the ones that they did. Right. Western gets their second power play after a Moyle interference. Um, they get a couple of good shots, and Michigan again can't really clear the zone. And this time, everyone kind of ends up collapsing in the middle. The puck comes out to the backside where the far side winger walks in and just buries it in wide open net. And I don't think Portillo really had a shot on that. That's just some... I suppose that happens. And when the puck's in deep, you want everyone to collapse. It looked a little bit like they kind of got out of position and everybody was to one side of the ice. Um, I suppose that happens too, but... It just wasn't a great night overall on the penalty kill, in my opinion. And at that point, it's not looking great because Western's sort of outplaying them. They're out shooting them 31 to 22 after Michigan had sort of been up like 9 to 3 or yeah. whatever. It, the, the momentum, their two goal lead was gone. They got another lead. This That was gone. And you're just like, man, you know, they had chances. Um, uh, Rucker McGrady gets a breakaway on a really nice flip pass that goes up and over the defenseman. He brings it down and has a nice move, but Rowe makes a save and it trickles wide. And then finally, Moyle and Hallam, who he did not see, have a two on O. As Moyle gets away, Hallam you can see coming from a little bit deeper, but is probably the fastest guy on the ice. You know he's going to catch up from the angle that he has. The puck kind of jumps and eludes the defenseman 
for Western in the neutral zone, and he has trouble turning around and going with Moyle. And then the defenseman on the other side, you're just watching. He's going to turn to go and just wipes out. <laughs> Legs go flying. And both Western defensemen are down, and you just have this rush, and you're like, I mean, this has got to be it. And Moyle's coming in, and he's had breakaways over his career, sort of like maybe not the top couple of guys you'd pick, but Moyle goes top glove again, buries his shot, and it's 5-4. to four. And, and you're like, all right, we got a shot now. Well, two things about this. Number one, for me, this was the old play that gets spoiled by streaming. Um, <laughs> because okay. I was on, I was scrolling through Twitter, like, during the, I, was that off a break? I don't remember exactly what. It was a two on O. No, 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 I meant a commercial. Oh, I don't remember. I, exactly, don't remember but that. I was, like, scrolling through Twitter, and then it, I see, like, the Michigan hockey, like, Moyle, Moyle, Moyle. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh. Something's going to have to happen. Something's going to wonder what's going to happen here. <laughs> and then 15 or 20 seconds later, uh, it happened. Um, yeah. So that was pretty funny. But uh, the downside of streaming, I guess. I actually did have that happen on cable one time. Really? It's the only time I've ever had that happen with cable, which is pretty wild. What was but that? That was the, do you remember the Rajay Davis home run to tie the World Series Game 7 in 2016 between the Cleveland and the yeah. Cubs? Yes. Yes. I, I, that, you it, had that spoiled? It, it was like that. Really? I, I, it was, I had just refreshed the Twitter feed. Okay. The first tweet at the top yeah. was a beat writer at the stadium saying like, oh my God. And as I read <laughs> that, he swings the bat. <laughs> and you're like, I bet this is yeah. going so far. It, it, was, it was instantaneous. But yeah. anyway... Uh, no, I've had that happen streaming quite a bit. So that one, that was my thought about that at first. But, I mean, this is a really, this is kind of a play that you sometimes can see Michigan make in some, in some times, where the defenseman gets too fancy, tries the behind-the-back backhand pass to <laughs> his... Kent Johnson. <laughs> yeah, to his defense partner, and there's too much pressure there. And Michigan yeah. reads it all the way, and the partner's out of, out of position. And even if he... Even if he doesn't fall over, he's got no shot on this one. Michigan's yeah. in a straight line. He's coming. From, he would have been coming from an angle, and Michigan's got better skaters. Yeah. And so it, it's just a careless turnover, and you know Moyle uh, finishes it off. Well, it, it gets crazy down the stretch. Western does get another power play, and and Michigan can't really clear the zone again until there's about twenty seconds left. I mean, I think that if you gave him, I think they had, I had him at about five minutes total of power play time, and probably a good over four minutes that was spent in the zone. And finally, um, Keaton Person has a great clear after making a nice block and getting it up and out, and they get through that. Michigan gets a power play late and gives up a breakaway <laughs> on, the, on their power play. Portillo comes out and makes a nice pad save, and you're like, oh. And then... Western pulls their goal at about 120. They get a couple chances. Um, and then there's a great chance, I thought, for Western with probably 15 or 20 seconds left where they get the puck all the way across, guy's back door. Now, I didn't see where Portillo was, so maybe he had read it and he got across. But he waited. He The puck hit his stick. He waited, he waited, and then he shot it. And he, at that point, he either hit someone or went wide. But I thought when that puck got through, I was like, oh, man, that's a goal. And he just didn't shoot it. And then... They ended up not being able to tie it in the, in the waning seconds, and Michigan hangs on <laughs> to win 5-4 to four in a game that, you know, there's arguments that, deser that they deserve to win it. I think that it was probably more played to a tie. I might even say that Western maybe outplayed them in some ways, too. Um, 
Michigan, like you said, they just capitalized on all their chances. But that's part of one of the takeaways that we can talk about now is when you have better players and you have really good players, especially NHL ones that can shoot, you're going to have better chances to finish opportunities than, I mean, we've seen Michigan years ago not have as high a quality of players. And Brian's whole thing was, well, they get a lot of good shots, but they don't have any shooters. Michigan has shooters. Uh, Yes, they do. A quick look at shooting percentage. Michigan is fourth in the country at 13.9%. That's not even that high, is it? I mean, it's it's high, but it's not absurdly high. I let's see the the median of the country is nine point eight percent. Right, so it's a, it's a little yeah, above average. It, it's quite a bit above average. But I mean, they also not have shooting eighteen percent. But that, and that's sort of. But what I mean, fourteen percent in the NHL, for example, like that's on the high end of like what is an average for a great shooter, for okay. example. Um, like, let me look what Stamkos' career shooting percentage is. <laughs> okay, let's just take Steven Stamkos. <laughs> well, that's like a great shooter, yes. right? And okay. That's an example. So That's fine. Uh, Stamkos' career shooting percentage is 17%. So that's your, wow. your top, top-end guy. That's so, really high. Yep, this is a, a little bit of a cut below that. Let's take a look at Ovechkin. Ovechkin's is probably going to be lower. Lower, because he, he shoots takes, all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, his is a 12.9%. I mean, he probably went to Penn State, right? You want to guess how, to how many times in his career he's led the NHL in shots? Um, And how, how many seasons has he played now? 18. I would say 16. 11. Oh, That's well. still a ton, <laughs> <laughs> including 10 of his first 11 seasons. So when you have better shooters, you don't need as many shots to make those shots. I mean, that yep. seems logical, but... That's something that Michigan can get away with, where Western is probably going to need more shots or a lot more better shots than Michigan's going to need. We saw that a little bit Lake State. You just see good finishes, and it's not overly surprising. So um, that's one of the takeaways. The other takeaway for me is I'm getting a little nervous about Michigan's defense. Well, that's something to talk about in the second segment. Okay. Um, Even though we didn't get to see it, but from all accounts, that was not great. Yeah, um, and then the penalty kill is also, and I think those are tied, right? Because Michigan in the last couple of years have had stretches where they're not great on the penalty kill and they're not great defensively. And when they're better defensively, their penalty kill tends to get better. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's not the biggest breaking news in the history of sports that your defense is tied to your penalty kill, but... You know, those are a couple things that have been warts for Michigan over the past few years. And, um, you know, they've definitely been forced to outscore those this year. That has been true. All right, let's take a break. We will get into some of these and the second game of this series. And then we'll start to look around at some other hockey stuff, too. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com.
some really nice scheduling of hockey and football in terms of away games. We have the Minnesota series that's Thursday, Friday, which do that forever, please. And we don't have that this weekend. But this weekend that we just played, or this past weekend, and this next weekend, this weekend yeah. <laughs> are n- not included <laughs> in those gifts as Michigan went to Western. I think the game was at 6 p.m., which was which was early. Yep. Um Still not great if you're going to go to a football game, but um, that starts at 7.30. And then next weekend, I believe... Well, they haven't announced the time for the Penn State game yet on Saturday. I think they have. Or maybe they did today. They did not yesterday when I was looking. They did it like four in the morning when I was looking. (laughs) I would ask what you were doing at four in the morning, but I... I, It's probably a different podcast. So, um, you have an overlap of games, and then you also have... It only on NCHC TV, which I did not feel compelled to buy. It was only on, one game on like Sunday, year, which was three three games. Yes, that's true. I mean, I do it. For, we could do, do it for two. For one, when it's not even going to be live, and we're not, I'm not going to write anything about it, and you're not writing about hockey yet. Like it, it just wasn't. It, I watched it through Stat Broadcast. <laughs> that's how you watched it. Yeah, just that's actually a pretty good idea. So what I have to say about this is the Michigan's first two goals are basically identical goals. Well, they're by all the same people. Correct. McGordy from Casey and Truscott. Truscott. And so when that, I mean, I've I've used Step Broadcast for years now, and when I saw that pop up, I'm like, oh, the guy just entered it in twice. Yeah. It's going to be deleted eventually. <laughs> and then I had to, like, scroll through Twitter, like, minutes later, and I go, what? oh. Yeah. That's that actually, because when, when you see that happen, power play goal from the same yeah. people, and it's entered twice within, like, a few minutes of each yeah. other, it's like, okay, Whoever's running that, you know, uh, had a cat walk on the keyboard or whatever, and now it's been entered in twice. Is Brian on doing this now? Is he is he doing stat broadcast? So I I was following this on Michigan, just Michigan Twitter on and um, Connor Eargood's, uh his Twitter feed was also updating pretty quickly. So I was at I was at the stadium, Michigan Stadium, watching the football game and following that. And I tweeted out a couple of videos. There was a video of like the Fantilli goal when he scores later, and you're like, yikes! And um, so they go up two nothing on back to back power play goals, which is nice because of what happened on Friday, which tells you Friday was just sort of like, all right, things just didn't click. Whatever they score on their first two or 
They score two in the first period. They give up a five on three. So this must have been a pen- some sort of penalty fest. The the Rutger goals are pretty different goals. We'll just put that out there for people okay. who didn't see the clip. One of them is a is a wrist shot from like far out, and it's partially screened. But I didn't love that one from from uh, row from row. The yeah. other one is a shot from the other side, and Rutger is creeping back door and pokes his stick in there as it's trickling through the crease. So yeah, okay. Well, that's good too. Um, the interesting thing about that is that. You know, he was, I was talking with Peter in the box on Friday, and we were both kind of thinking the same thing, and one of us said it, and the other person was like, you know, I was just thinking that is, like, he's probably been the most underwhelming of the freshmen so far. I mean, with expect, like, compared to expectations. Sure. You know, and I think part of it was, like, you expected him to play with Nazer. So then, obviously, that's very different. Um and because Hallam's had his times, TJ Hughes has had his times, Casey has looked good at times. I mean, McGordy came in as, you know, a mid first round pick, like you're expecting a little bit. And he scored, I think, what, once, I think, before that and is, has had some time. But he got bumped off the puck a couple times on Friday. And you're kind of like, you know, you're a bigger guy. You know, this size shouldn't be as much of an issue. And so then to, to see him score a couple goals on Saturday was, I thought, um, really good for Michigan in, in a couple ways. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still early. It's the first month of the season, and uh, some guys will take a little more time to, yeah. to figure it out. So Western gets one back on a five-on-three, of which they had, I think, two or three on the night. Michigan is 11th in the country in penalty minutes per game so far. Oh, there's a surprise. And have they that's had actually five-minute majors? That's, that's, a, that's the bad part about uh, that. I think one. Yeah, the LaPointe one, the oh, headbutt. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So Ryan McAllister gets one back. Like pretty much right at the end of the first period, it's two to one. That's their first two goal lead. Michigan goes back up by two, um, about seven minutes into the second on a very nice Adam Fantilli goal from Luke Hughes. So it's three to one. And again, now you're thinking, okay, we're we're in good shape. You know, you you've withstood the first period and the loss of Lunatics and the rush and all that. And then they score again. Jamie Rome, the guy who scored the power play goal from Friday night, makes it 3-2 to two, about halfway through. And then Pant- Fantilli tallies another power play goal, his second goal of the night. And that was a great pass from T.J. Hughes across the seam. And, uh, you know, a nice snap from Fantilli. And, and his goal earlier in the period was a really nice little snip move, right? I mean, the puck is free. He drags it, uh, you know, across into his shooting pocket from backhand to forehand, and then just a quick rip over the shoulder. I mean, that's yeah, that's a nice display of shooting talent. So that's from TJ Hughes and, and Mackey. So that's a power play goal, and there's TJ Hughes again, popping up on the first power play unit, getting a point, making a play. It's 4-2 to two at the end of the second period. And again, you're like, okay, you're in good shape. You know, I know the defense has been a little leaky, but Portillo, they're scoring. They'll probably get another one or two. And... They give up a power play goal just a couple minutes in. Western's second power play goal of the game. Ryan McAllister from Carter Berger. And then McGordy gets his hat trick. and Also on the power play. Also on the power play because that is apparently how everyone was scoring that night from Casey and Hughes. So Casey and ends such, up. It's a brilliant play from Casey. I mean, a, a dangle in the corner around the Western guy, a pass all the way across to an exposed McGordy. Who's, no one else is around him, and then he threads it through. I mean, some really, really nice plays from the different freshmen in this game. So the second power play unit is also clicking because that's their third power play yep. goal. And that's the hat trick for Rutger. Right. And the hat, I don't know, something. Hat assist. Assist trick from Seamus Casey. Is that a thing? 
is getting three assists a thing? Uh, if you get three assists, you throw your shoes. <laughs> Did you just come up with that off the top of your head? <laughs> when you throw your socks when you're riding a Zamboni? Yes. All right. So it's five now. So now it's back. Another. This is their fourth two goal lead. They're up five to three at this point, and you're getting. And then within twenty seconds, Dylan Wentz scores from Perbix and Hugh Larkin, and it's five to four. I mean, I didn't see any of this. I, I, you're following on Twitter, and it's like, what is going on? This just seems very bonkers. Well, and I mean, Portillo is facing a ton of shots. Yeah, the shot counter has just gone well in the Western Michigan's favor in the course of that. That third period, especially. So I was talking to someone who saw this game, and they said that they thought Western just played really, really well. That I mean, shots were fifteen to five in the third period for Western. Yeah, Oof. and so it's five four. The game is trickling down, trickling down, and then uh, with under two minutes, Carter Berger scores with an extra attacker. We've seen Michigan give up extra attacker goals in the past, and it's so five to five, and it's kind of deflating. I seeing that at. Michigan Stadium because you're like, yeah, man, you know, the, the the football game is like going well, but it's not like um, enjoyable yet. You're like, <laughs> okay, we're we're clearly dominating them, but like you just can't yell and cheer. Like you, there's a you, you let out a different cheer when you score a touchdown when you kick a field goal. You know, it's just sure different. So you're like, yeah, all right, field goal, yeah, all right, field goal. And so you don't. And then I'm like scrolling through and like Michigan blows another two goal lead, and you're like, oh, come on. And then they get to overtime and. Luke Hughes wins it in overtime before the shootout, which is big because that is a win for Michigan, right? Or are you not? Let, let me look at the pairwise rules because I thought they changed that well, in the offseason. Brian was talking about like the percentage that you get of a win, but last year, I don't know if that's in non-conference. Last year it was 55% of a win, right? Yeah, now, now it's like 70 oh, or see. 75% or something. It went up a little bit, but I... But again, this isn't a this isn't a Big Ten game. This is a, a non conference or inter conference. It's, it's, it's thirds now. They okay. tweaked the pairwise uh, criteria, making an OT win count as two thirds of a win and one thirds of a loss. So Michigan won like five of the six thirds of two wins <laughs> over the weekend. Is that last year? It was fifty five forty five. Okay, a road OT loss could theoretically help you in pairwise, and a home OT win could theoretically hurt you. And so they've I don't understand how pairwise works at all, so I don't... Well, because they've get, gone to three-on-three. Three. I don't try to go too into the weeds there, but... We don't we don't need to get into this now, but this is what, this is my issue with three-on-three, three, is now it changes all this, where if you just play five-on-five five for five minutes, and then you could call it a tie, then you could play your three-on-three three for an extra point or whatever. Because in the Big Ten, a lot of it is like you're playing for points because you're trying to win the conference. But in non-conference, that it doesn't matter as much. What matters is these pairwise rankings. But then when you add in three-on-three, you don't want to stack too much on it because three-on-three is not really, I don't know, descriptive of the game of hockey. It's just kind of a game of possession at that point, which, I mean, you'd think, hey, (laughs) I'm fine with that because what three skaters are going to be better than Michigan's top six skaters that they're going to put on the ice? And Michigan, I mean, they owned the shots in in the overtime. Yeah, uh, which you'd expect. And Hughes finishes it off. Well, Blankenberg did that last year, right? Like, he won the game at Lawson, I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but my memory of that overtime was it was kind of rickety. Well, so was the ice. <laughs> and no one got hurt, to our knowledge. Yep. And in if it was a slush pond or who knows, it's not Ohio State. So um, the one couple things just to go through and tie up about this game. One is the even strength Corsi was like 53 to 32 Western, which is yikes, a little alarming. That's probably the first time someone has really 
dominated Michigan in even strength this year. I mean, I, mean, I think that overwhelmingly now through the first four weekends, you can say that there are some things that need to be cleaned up and that they have this problem where things kind of snowball where they can get hemmed in and suddenly it's five or six shots in the course of a minute and yep. things can be really chaotic and they need a, a lot a bit more structure i think defensively and yes to get them out of those little ruts they can fall into as far as special teams go michigan was four or five <laughs> which is absurd and then Western Michigan was two of eight, which is still a really good night. The problem there that you're looking at from Michigan's perspective is eight is a lot. Like, that's just too many. Yeah, I mean, this was a penalty-happy game in, in general. Yeah. We talked about the majority hat trick. That's a cool thing for him. Fantilli has two more goals, which at this point, anytime, if you're not watching the game, which you, Julie, you and I are, so maybe this only applies to our listeners, is that if you see, if you are alerted that Michigan scored a goal— there's a good chance it was Adam Fantilli at this point. Not that other guys aren't, but he's just, you know, I want to say he's on a tear, but this just might be who he is this year. So they've played eight games. Yes. And uh, they have 26 remaining, I think is what I just counted. Okay. He is at 18 points through eight games. Yeah, which is 2.25, which is absurd. If he did that over the next 26 games, he would finish with... Uh, Let's see, he's got 18 now. He'd gain bank an extra either 58 or 59. It's a half, so whatever. That would put you in the 76-point range. So he's Kyle Connor. But he would then would still have more games because Connor played 40 games. That would be 34. So then you'd have an extra at least one or two in the Big Ten well, NCAA. Plenty turn. Yeah, I mean, there's another so, five to ten more tournament games. You know, I, I saw people starting to... I mean, you know, look at the Jack Eichel numbers, look at the the Paul Correa numbers, even though that was 25 a years very ago. different college hockey. 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very different world. But because um, I think he even Korea have like 95 or something that year. <laughs> Let me pull up that. <laughs> That's one crazy. So, I mean, but to your eyeball test, because, I mean, you're you like to say that you're not a hockey scout and I just call you a liar. <laughs> but does he look like a guy who this can continue? Like, when you're watching, does this seem like he's on a heater, or does this look like, Korea wow. had 139. That's many. It is a different world. Yeah. Also, I believe that that counts in exhibition series where he had, like, 12 in one game or something. <laughs> 12 points? No. Yeah, I'd have to look up That's exactly not... what that was. I saw people talking was about Was he, like, it. skating against his brothers or kids? I, I, anyway. All right. No, but go back to my question. Does this, when you watch him play, and you've watched him play most, if not all, these games... I mean, does he look like a player who this is a thing, or is he just having I, the best start that we can remember? We need to see him when he play. It was nine points in two exhibition games that Korea had. It's counted there. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we need to see him play Notre Dame Yeah. Um, and see how he can adjust to that. But, I mean, this is a broader point, I guess, to move into the next topic, but... The Big Ten has a lot of fire wagon teams right now. Like, so, there, if you look at the the shot numbers between these teams, there are a lot of teams taking so, a lot of shots and giving up a lot of shots and high in the scoring numbers. Like, I think this can be a, a league where maybe Notre Dame is the only one you have trouble scoring on, and they haven't been great so far. Well, so that's kind of what I was going to ask you: is like, would you? How surprised would you be if he came out of this Penn State series with? I mean, not not talking about wins or losses, but just I mean, if he had like five or six points, like oh, that, that wouldn't, wouldn't surprise be. Me. I mean, it's it been, would or it would not. Would not. No, absolutely I mean, this not. Is Penn State. The other guy that's going to get over. Didn't they give up like? 
trying to remember. Mm-hmm. Granowitz had an OT goal against them like a few years back. Didn't he have like four goals in two yeah, games? Yeah, he, he had them? a lot. Yeah. I mean, that was, I think that hat, was pretty He had the hat trick but... against Wisconsin that year, but he also had a ton against Penn State yeah, that year. Yeah, that was true. Um, the, the, the guy that gets a little bit overshadowed in this, who's having a nice year too, is Mackie Samuskevich. And probably part yeah, of that and is. He had a little bit of a. Playing with Fantilli. Well, right, and, but he had a little bit of a calmer weekend. Because um, he was like close to Fantillion points last weekend, uh, yeah. exiting last. But he's got in, in, twelve points in eight games, right? Which is a huge jump from what he was last year. And I mean, I mean that's one and a half a game. Like you, you, you play that out, and he's got a pretty nice total too. I mean, Duke is the guy that didn't keep pace this weekend. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, he's he's probably not going to be like the Tyler Mod of the group. He's he's probably going to be below that there he's not going sure. to score at that same rate but Fantilli and and Mackie I mean you can kind of see it like you know they played together in the USHL and were phenomenal and um it seems to have carried over well in to Michigan um the last thing I wanted to say is just sort of stuff that we're addressing from this series that has popped up a little bit too is you know they blew four two goal leads and not ideal no and that's just you know, Western is probably played really well. I thought they played well on Friday. Obviously, we didn't see it Saturday. They obviously put the puck in the net. But, you know, when you when you get those leads against, especially when you get into the Big Ten, like you said, against Penn State, Ohio State's had a nice start to the year. Minnesota, not quite as good a start as we thought, but they're going to be good teams. Michigan State has had a better start. They're, they yep. don't look to be a, a total bottom feeder the way they have been. So... You know, that's something that their defense is going to have to start to lock down. And that's not just the defensemen. That's, you know, backchecking forwards and its centers playing, you know, safe and making sure there's three guys back and that sort of thing, too. But, um, you know, that was a game that Michigan seemed to have won several times in Kalamazoo and didn't. And that's, you know, they still won, what, seven of eight games. So there's nothing to really complain about. But like you said... You're going through some things, and there's stuff that needs I, to get tightened up. I don't think that Michigan's necessarily played a particularly great game yet this year. Um, <laughs> Which is amazing, isn't it? And they happen to be... They've played some weird games. Six wins, one loss, and one two-thirds of a win <laughs> at this point. I mean, that, I'm and sorry, so, that's a win. We, it can, I'm not getting so into we, that amount we're rounding of up. Uh, okay. So... The point is that they've done fine, and they've done all right, despite just not quite being super cohesive yet uh, overall in every yeah. facet of the game in terms of, you know, totally controlling play and, and on and on. And um, to come out of that with a really good record is is nice. I think for me the big question now is going to be this next stretch up to Christmas because, you know, if we remember the last coach, this is when it, it got happen. dicey. <laughs> That they would often be pretty decent in October, and then the wheels would come off in in November into early December, and then it would always be like, well, they get into the holiday break, and so now can they not do that? Can they, you know, get more wins, start to play better as a team, but continue to bank wins? And this was the time of last year when they threw away a game, same weekend we just passed when they threw a we throw away a game against Wisconsin, yeah, Um, and so. This is the time that we are now going to be watching to see if that sort of thing happens again. I mean, the good thing I will say is that at least between Boston U and, and Western, they've been playing teams that are real, right? So we're yeah. saying they're not playing super great, but they're they, they've we've seen them play some real teams. There's a good chance both those teams are in the tournament. Yep, this is not Penn State we're talking about in terms of the non-conference schedule. Right. So 
Michigan obviously played Western, which is a non-conference game. Everyone else in the conference played conference games. So yep. all, the the highlighter of the weekend, I think, is probably Ohio State Minnesota, where they actually split, and Ohio State was up six to two, I believe, on the Friday night game before hanging on to win six to four, um, and they even chased Justin Close. Yeah, the. They uh they put together a really nice performance in that first game, and then Minnesota was definitely the the better team in the second yes. game in a four two win. Well, and Ohio State only got I think two shorthanded goals. Yes, they got, and weren't they by the same guy? I think so. Um, so that was I think you know the I was looking at the even strength course. Yeah, I think they were pretty even games, but um, what we wondered a little bit about Ohio State was where they going to have finishers, and they did in the first game. They did not in the second game. 61-54 even strength in the first game. Yeah. Second game, I remember being more towards Minnesota. Eh, was it? 52-45. That was the same. Yeah. Um, they just happened to... They finished goals and... Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that was a fine showing from Ohio State overall. Um, you know, they give up eight goals between the two games, which is, you know, not necessarily what their winning formula was last season for, for example um, uh yeah so that's something interesting to to monitor but i don't think i don't know how much we really learned about that i mean i think minnesota is a good team and we knew that going in i think ohio state's a, a team that can defend home ice we knew that going in well the thing that's been interesting about minnesota and, and michigan sort of hasn't i don't think they're as juggernauty as sort of their record appears to be but well, Mi- michigan was number one in the poll today right but I'm talking about from the eye test and from the numbers, not like who the best team in the country is. You're talking about like like last year when they got going, that was a really good team and it was yeah. going to take a good team to beat them. I don't think that's Michigan this year. I think they're a firewagon team, like you said, right now. Now, I think they have probably as good a goalie as you can have. I mean, Michigan right now, they just need to make some change, you know, to tweak some things. Defensively on the penalty kill and as long as they continue their scoring rate I mean then you're starting to look at last year but what I was going to say is that I it doesn't appear that Minnesota is a juggernaut either they played well and have won some games but they've also lost some games they've lost I think what three they are five and they're five and three five and three right I mean I feel pretty justified right now in my belief at the start of the season that Michigan and Minnesota were pretty equivalent teams yeah and that both were young and had some questions and close has been chased twice yeah let me look at what his save percentage is because he's been pretty solid I think in between then I mean the other thing is that that backup is really bad Eh, yeah close is nine nine hundred so not awesome but I was the one who was not giving him a lot of credit to start the year, so we'll see if that continues. Well, fist bump from over here for you. <laughs> the other, the next series was Notre Dame-Michigan State. This was a very interesting series. Notre Dame basically against the run of play, but wins 5 nothing. all even strength goals. Bischel gets the shutout, um, and that sort of felt like, from the scoreboard, sort of a last year type of game, but... Michigan State kind of controlled the shots. They had, they more, had shots. more attempts. I don't, so I need to watch Michigan State to get a handle on this. Mm-hmm. But they're taking a ton of shots. They are. And I don't know if that is a schematic thing, which would be well, my, would be my hunch. Yes, <laughs> I think it is because they're number two in Corsi in Correct. the country, which is and they're shooting, a far cry from anything that we've ever seen them be. And they're shooting seven percent on the season. So either so they don't have any finishers or. Or they're it's just probably a combination of not too many great finishers and taking a lot of shots and from playing a heavy shoot and retrieve system that's based around sort of Penn Statey, right? Yeah, 
And so then in game two, this game is a tie, essentially. And yep. then it goes to a shootout, and Michigan State actually gets the extra points. So they yep. come away the weekend with two points in South Bend, which is not bad. two more than Michigan got last year. So um, that's not a bad weekend for Michigan State. Notre Dame probably wishes they probably could have gotten at least five of the six, I would say. Yeah. Those are, I mean, Michigan State's still a team in this conference that when you get them at home, you're like, all right, this, we, we got to get a sweep or we got to get close to that. This is not a split team yet, but they are, they do look improved. Yeah, they do. And I mean, I continue to be less than enthusiastic uh, about Notre Dame overall yeah. uh, over the season. I mean, again, we don't know exactly what Michigan State is, but like Michigan State seems to be playing quite a bit better. They're not a punching bag, but they also are a team that hasn't necessarily posted the the greatest uh, record up to this point no. right they've lost some games to teams that i would not consider to be sort of top tier tournament contenders right i mean you look at their non-conference previously they dropped a game to bowling green who's like at the bottom of the barrel yeah they split with them or, yeah they split with mass lowell i think lowell as well i mean you know they're, they're a solid team and they're improved but that's not a juggernaut right and notre dame's getting played even to them and now you look at notre dame they're four two and two to start the season I don't know. Not not the most impressive body of work for me so far. And that's why it'll be interesting because now they get Minnesota and then they get Michigan. And then they yeah. get Ohio State. So and then they get BU and BC. So November so is, their a, schedule goes is a gauntlet. Up <laughs> from here. The last series was Penn State and Wisconsin. Penn State won two to one in the first game, four zero in the next game. Wisconsin's uh hot streak after the Duluth series has came to an end. Um, <laughs> hot streak ended as soon as it started. I mean, hey, you win two games, that's a hot streak for Wisconsin these days. Penn State scored two goals in the last minutes of game two, so both of these games I think were pretty tight for the most part. Um, I didn't find a whole lot else to take away. It didn't seem like a super interesting series. We'll get into the Penn State numbers um, in a couple minutes when you're done, if you have any thoughts on this series. Because <laughs> I, I looked at a couple things, and I couldn't find a takeaway that I really liked. No, I don't know what's going on with Wisconsin or Penn State. Really, I mean, the Penn State is 8-0, but I don't think they faced a real team. Yep, and that's a good kickoff to the Penn Can- State preview. Canisius, Mercyhurst, St. Thomas, Wisconsin. Right. I mean, this is... Uh, we're going to learn some things about both these teams. By the way, Penn State's other two non-conference opponents they haven't played yet, Alaska and RIT. Yep. Well, that fits in perfectly with the other schools that we just named. <laughs> One thing I do want to throw out there from National College Hockey this weekend. Okay. UConn? Uh, of- no, they played a game in Vegas this weekend. Oh, yeah. The Hall of Fame Classic. Probably North Dakota again? It was, yes. It was North Dakota. Let me find the score. It was ASU over North Dakota, 3-2. to two. Really? Yep. So North Dakota has lost both of their travel a long way for no particular reason games. Yeah. One to Penn State and Nashville and one to Arizona State. Well, good for the good for the Ice Devils. It was the Hall of Fame game in T-Mobile Arena, huh. which is the home of the Golden Knights. So that yeah. was a neat thing for college hockey, but North Dakota, I don't know about them this year. Yeah, well, such has been said before. And then in the second half of the season, we've changed our opinions. So I'm not selling the farm on North Dakota just yet. But so to get to the Penn State preview, like you'd mentioned, eight no, they're third in pairwise, whatever that means at this point, probably very little. Nothing. Corsi, they're also third, which surprise, it's Penn State. And <laughs> they haven't seen a shot they don't like in their entire existence as a program. This is where it gets interesting. Eighteen percent on the power play. That's not the best. And then seventy six on the penalty kill. That's even worse. 
And you said that, you know, your kind of metric is do your special teams numbers equal 100, theirs or below. And, you know, Michigan's power play has been right at the tip of their spear as to why they've been good. That seems like something Michigan is going to want to take advantage of. I think they're going to not be upset if this is a special teams weekend. Well, a big question is going to be Liam Solier for me. Through six games, 945 save percentage. Yep. Off to a nice start, but again, quality competition. Yep. Noah Grannon, their their backup, uh, we will not hasn't, see. Hasn't played a lot. We will not see him. Unless we chase Soulier. Uh, yeah. We, <laughs> he's played two games, and he's allowed seven goals against Canisius and St. Thomas. So yeah. So not going to see him. So it's up to Soulier, and he was my X Factor entering the year. What level of goaltending can they get against a, a real opponent in conference? And because they're going to take a ton of shots, and they'll probably score some goals, because Penn yep. State always does. It's just, can they not give Will up, they give like, them back? Will goals in, <laughs> yeah. in, in return? Uh, Michigan, by the way, entering the weekend number one in college hockey in goals per game right now with 5.3. That's by far the most. Number two, 4.6, Penn State. Yeah, so you want to see some some offense. Yes. I think Friday night is on Big Ten, actual Big Ten Network, not on... Our streaming friend Plus that cuts out goals for you to be able to not see. Um, Penn State has two drafted skaters, but from the sixth and seventh round, yeah, I mean, and they have eight skaters scoring over 0.75 points per game. But this is where their quality of competition comes in. Well, and they've you know they've scored a lot of goals so far. Yep. So uh, it'll be interesting just to see can Michigan get a game under control against a team like Penn State, where the game is often always not under control and it's just uh, i think michigan's gonna feel very comfortable playing in a fire wagon game. oh yeah and i think that they're going to have probably the better goaltending i know that solier's numbers look good but portillo's body of work in his career has been as good as there's been for michigan i mean strauss man but then you'd probably have to go back to the end of the hunwick era to come up with anything that's remotely close so you know michigan kind of has that right recipe to play this style because they do have the, the, the goaltending and their defensemen move up and can create. And so they finish, help finish chances. Their power play is, you know, as smooth as it's been with maybe one or two games aside from that. So, um, but you're right. If they, if they can, the, the, the point of growth though, I think that I'm going to be looking for, you probably looking for something similar is if they get another two, three goal lead can they grab the game and end it? Not necessarily by slam dunking four more goals, by just taking the puck away, keeping Penn State out of the slot, not making goofy turnovers or allowing odd man rushes that can re-energize the crowd because the crowd at Pagula is usually very, very good. And the last thing that you want to do if you get a chance in, in a game that you have a grip on is to loosen it and allow Penn State back into it because then it turns into a complete random Firework show. Staying out of the box would be useful too this weekend. Yes, uh, I agree completely with that. I that being said, I expect Michigan to at least get one of the games, and I would not be. I'd probably put a sweep at what 70 percent, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I would be disappointed with anything probably less than four points at the minimum. Personally, you? Yeah. I, I, uh... I feel a little uncomfortable just because I just don't know what Penn State is because they haven't played anybody. Yeah, so. that's true. But you would want, I mean, I mean, you want to you, you win one for well, sure. Definitely. But you, I think you want points out of both games. Sure. So um, 
It's been a bit of a podcast. Do you have any quick NHL things, or are we going to punt that to next week? Uh, we can move that to next week. Do want to give a shout-out to Stonehill College, which has begun its D1 uh, tenure, only playing a few games this season, but they played their first one this weekend. Did not go very well, but uh, a new... A new D1 team, so we're back to 62 teams. Somebody email Brian and tell him about Stonehill College and see if he'll send you something. Cast 5.5 for Alex Strain and David Nasternak. We didn't say it on the show, but happy Halloween! Happy Halloween!